I started reading um, a book by Luca Dell'Anna, which he's a guy, an Italian guy who writes in this quite charmingly Italian English uh, with some slightly strange sentence constructions, but he's writing about really interesting ideas. And this is the second edition of his book, The Control Heuristic. Uh, and it's really his theory ba built on neuroscience and psychology of human action and behaviour. And there were some really interesting points in it, which I think tie up to things that are very relevant to what we do for a living, especially uh, why people don't do research, why, do, or why people don't test their product ideas, you know, really go ahead and, and do all of that, even though it's, it's logically, rationally, it's clearly the best thing to do um, when you think of it on a betting level. So the, the fundamental thing that's in his... Uh, his fundamental idea is human action has two elements which are both necessary, neither is sufficient on its own. One is about the, the, the sort of rational prefrontal cortex, the logical mind, thinking, deciding, that sort of area. And the other is purely about emotion and it's a gatekeeper. And so there's the prefrontal cortex and the basal ganglia. And the prefrontal cortex is triggered by things in the environment or thoughts that you're having and thinks of all the things that we might do, all the different actions we might take. Uh, and so is very susceptible, as we've seen with when there's something in the environment, like uh, there's snacks out on the table, you think, oh, I could have a snack. And those, all of those ideas are always happening. The, the prefrontal cortex isn't doing any of the prioritisation. It's not deciding what to do. It's passing all of that information through the basal ganglia. The basal ganglia isn't connected to the same stuff as the prefrontal cortex. So they're actually two separate systems connected to different things. The basal ganglia effectively does a measurement of emotional valence, and it lo it's looking for the expected emotional outcome of any action you do. And it has no ability to predict the future. So it's just looking at, if we do this, immediately afterwards... What do we think our emotional state so is? So it doesn't be? know. It doesn't know that you're looking at some snacks. All it knows is that you feel hungry or greedy or whatever, and it makes a decision based on that. Ah, that's a good question. So it's slightly different from that. It's the, the prefrontal cortex in this example would say, "Oh, I'm going to have a chocolate bar," and the the basal ganglia would then go have a chocolate bar. So it does know what the prefrontal cortex is saying to it. It, it gets what the idea is but it doesn't have any sense of the future or logical, rational thinking for whether it's a good idea or not. The only factor it considers for whether this is a good idea or not is, is this going to make me feel better? Is this, does this have a positive emotional outcome for, for us or a negative one? How can it, if it doesn't have any conception of the future, how can it think in terms of outcomes? Past. So it just uses the past. And so some stuff that's just baked in instincts and some stuff that's based on your past experiences with that thing. So um, something like food is especially tricky because instinctively from our whole evolutionary history, if there's food there, it's usually a positive thing to eat it. When, when we taste nice food, we feel good straight away. It's a positive emotional outcome. This makes it very hard to resist food that's lying around because there it is and you're going to feel good when you eat it. Of course, you might feel sick later, but your basal ganglia doesn't care about that. It cares about what's going to happen immediately after you've done it based on its past experience and its sort of instinctive wiring. 
But what about? But the past experience includes the negative feelings later down the line. So, as someone who's who ate hundred grams of chocolate for lunch yesterday and the day before, yeah, I didn't learn from the fact that I felt sick after the first chocolate lunch. <laughs> no, so and and this is where the I think the book is promising to go later on. I'm only about twenty percent of the way in. The book is promising to help rejig some of the emotional associations to help with this decision making process. So it can only, but it, so it only remembers the immediate outcome. It doesn't remember anything longer term. That's what he's suggesting. Yeah, yeah. Or it, it bloody useless. Yeah, bloody useless. Well, potentially, uh, and so this gives you a uh, a reason why we procrastinate. So he, he then ties this to well, why do people procrastinate? Why do we make excuses? Why are we lazy? All of these sorts of things. And with procrastination, it's this thing where we might know what we need to do logically, but our basal ganglia associates it with a negative or a not high enough emotional outcome. And so we, we don't do it. There's no way to do that action. It's like a gatekeeper. It's not a, oh, I'll weigh this up and I'll think about it. It's just a, nope, not doing that. And then we don't have access to this. We don't know, we don't know that it's doing that job. We just know that we wanted to do this thing and we haven't done it. How frustrating is that? So then what happens is the prefrontal cortex comes up with a load of suggested reasons why we might not have done it. And the basal ganglia picks the one that will make us feel the best. What, like, uh, like I, was, I had something more important to do? Yeah, like that. Had something. Like so <laughs> I didn't go to the gym because I had really important work to do. And then you sit there trying to do the really important work, but you, it's actually quite upsetting to do that and it would feel more rewarding to just check your email and do some busy work and that sort of thing. So you do the busy work instead of the thing you really wanted to do. Um, and all of that is because your prefrontal cortex doesn't actually decide what you're going to do. This is what, and he also proposes why distraction is so powerful, uh, why, why it harms us so much. When we're doing the important work, if some distraction pops into our prefrontal cortex and the brain goes, oh, we could do that. If that has a higher emotional, expected emotional outcome than what we were doing at the time, then it will jump in and take over. So we might, um, we might be trying to work on the, the most important task and we've actually done a good job. We've, we've managed to get started. We've managed to trick ourselves somehow, trick the basal ganglia into letting us get started on the big, big dirty task. And then our phone pings and there's a notification going, oh, your friend wants to show you something cool. And that has a much higher emotional expected outcome than continuing with the, the tasks that we're doing. And so, bing, off we go, we're distracted, we flick onto the thing with the, with the higher emotional, expected emotional outcome. Sounds good, huh? Mm. So, so I emotions was... are, are sort of semi-useless? Well, no, they're is really, net, really useful. Is it net positive or net negative, the fact that these emotions ultimately, or the, the basal ganglia is making decisions? I suppose, I mean, one way to look at it is it's, it's evolved this way because it's helped us survive for... Sure, but like now that the world has changed, you know, exponentially over the past couple of hundred years, yeah, is it now still net positive? That's a really interesting question. The rest of the book is promising to go into, well, how can we use this for ourselves instead of using it against ourselves? Some of the things that are really, uh, one of the things that's really important is we've known this, uh, we've talked about this before. When somebody isn't doing something, it's either a question of ability or a question of motivation. And if it's a question of ability and you try to motivate them, well, that's just frustrating and it, it damages the trust in the relationship. If it's a question of motivation and you try to teach them how to do it better, 
that also doesn't work. You've got to be tackling the right thing. But motivation isn't the root cause. Motivation is a symptom of them having too low an emotional expected outcome of doing the thing. Uh, so one example that he uses in the book, which I think is quite good, is uh, say you've got a child who, you're, who you want to try to do a quadratic equation and they're not doing it. They're just failing to do their homework. You can do a little test to see, well, is this about motivation or is this about ability? Give them a simpler equation. We'll do a simple linear equation then and see if they do that. And if they're still resisting it or they're doing it begrudgingly, then it's a question of motivation. And then it's a question of, it's not about then a motivating speech or a rah-rah, let's talk to your logical brain about why this is good for you to do. Instead, you have to build uh, very slowly and gently, build a better emotional, expected emotional outcome for doing that sort of thing. Like what? Like a... Like... Like giving them a sweet if they do it, or like what? What does that look like? So that's interesting. That then gets into the whole <laughs> carrot and stick world, and this is where we link to intrinsic. It needs to be something intrinsic to the the activity itself. Like so what? another well, uh, we're going to get to these later in the book, I think. But another example he talks about is swimming. So the author Luca is saying when he was a kid, they used to go to school swimming lessons, and they'd go to these uh, every two weeks. They'd go and have to do a swimming lesson. And he hated it because it, it, it was cold. When he got in the water, he felt like he was drowning. It was just really unpleasant. And so he would tend to, without doing it deliberately, he'd tend to feel sick on swimming days and more often than not was off and, not, and wouldn't go swimming. And he was totally unmotivated to swim. That all changed. They went on holiday as a family to the, uh, to the seaside and... His dad didn't cajole him into go in the water and swim. His dad just uh, just found some sh- noticed that Luca was really interested in all these shells, and he said, "Well, there are some really cool ones just inside the surf. Oh. Here's a just put this mask on and see if you can see some cool stuff." So he started to then get comfortable with putting his face in the water because he got to see these cool shells and find exciting things, and then mm-hmm. gradually built more and more positive association with being in the water because he was having a good time. So instead of giving them a sweet when they don't want to do their quadratic equation, it would be something like reminding them about the time that they taught themselves to do something else that was difficult and they really enjoyed it, like learning to bake something new. Or Interesting question. I don't know how much that would work because it's still not going to talk to the basal ganglia. That's still to the logical brain. So but how, it needs I don't understand to find... how that's different to the, you know, the, the, isn't it a logical argument to say put a mask on and look at these shells? Like that's fairly logical as well, no? I suppose, it, but it's, it's already hooking onto an emotion. So you're already, your, your basal ganglia is already saying, when, we're, when we look at shells, that's great. We have a positive emotional outcome to that. Oh, so it just has to be really closely related to the task. Yeah, or you can do things like stacking. So actually, maybe you're right, actually, and, and the, when you do a quadratic equation, you get to eat sweets. Like that might work because it's stacking something good Temptation with something bundling. bad. Temptation bundling, you exactly. Came up with that? Uh, I think I've I heard about that from James Clear, but it sort of stacks it mm. stacks nicely with with this idea as well. One of the things he talks about is if you're struggling to get yourself to go out for a run in the morning, well, why not listen to your favourite podcast only when you go for a run, and then you're making it a, you you have a positive, positive emotional outcome mm. from that. So all of that's interesting, I think, uh, and it gets into loads more stuff uh, later, apparently in the book, but it suddenly clicked. Uh, there's a graph that he draws out, which is what's the difference between driven people 
who who seem to just be motivated to do everything, even hard things, <laughs> and people who procrastinate and are lazy and all these sorts of things. And he draws a graph, which is you're starting at point A and you're trying to get to point C, which is a better life. So you might be fitter and healthier or you might have mastered a new skill or all these sorts of different things. You might have a better product outcome. Who knows? And on the way, you either are going to go down into a trough where the thing you have to do to get there gives you a negative emotional expected outcome in order to later get a positive emotional expected outcome. So that's, that's how it looks to, to the people who are lazy and procrastinate. Even though we know we're going to get to a better life, that's a logical future thinking thing. The basal ganglia has no idea about that. And all they see is that the trajectory of the, like the direction we're going in is downwards, it's negative. And so we don't want to do that. So we start procrastinating, we put the thing off, etc., etc. The difference with a motivated person is that their line is just up all the time. So they have a positive expected emotional outcome to even doing the hard thing that is on the way to, to being what you want to do. And so I gather that the trick to the whole the trick to the whole puzzle is whatever the thing is that you need to do to get the outcomes you want, you need to build, you need to basically train your basal ganglia to, to have an, a positive emotional expected outcome to that. Mm. Uh, and this makes me think of then when we're doing product work, designing something, writing copy, whatever it is, and we're going to test it with, with, uh, with our users, with our customers. Well, most teams see that as being a... The, the moment we test it, we're going to find out that we're wrong. We're going to find out that we've made mistakes. We're going to have to do extra work. We're going to feel stupid. All of that is a negative emotional expected outcome. It's horrible. And we've experienced that, haven't we? Mm. Uh, I certainly did when I started usability testing. It was sort of, it was just, it's painful. It's, it's miserable. But the, I think there's a, there's a switch that happens once you've built the habit. And actually now I get a really positive emotionally expected outcome from mm. finding when we're wrong. I'm excited to find out when we're wrong. I, I love doing it. And mm. so it's a positive, it's just a, it's a natural thing. I don't procrastinate it. I just get on with it because I, I enjoy that process the whole way through. I never feel like, oh God, we were wrong. That's, that's really bad. And I feel bad about it. I guess I've had a similar thing in terms of running workshops, which is not naturally my wheelhouse, like, you know, fear of public speaking, etc. you know, never look forward to them. Um, but there was someone, I can't remember who it was, maybe you'll remember, but this tip to think, oh, I get to do this, like, I get to run this workshop, and, like, other people don't get to do that. So, therefore, oh. you, you know, even though it's difficult, like, it's cool that you have the chance to do something like that. So, approaching things that are hard, personally, just as a kind of, you know, it's cool to have the opportunity, and that's really helped me. That's cool, yeah. What a cool hack. Wish I could remember who it was. <laughs> it sounds like a Seth Godin sort of a thing. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. There we go. So that was it. I just wanted to share that. That's fun. Fun little, fun little chat. 